Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. The new thing has broken out. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 40. Lord, we just say we worship you this morning. Whew. <laughs> Be high and lifted up. We thank you for the angel that's over this church. We thank you for the freedom. Hallelujah. We thank you what you're doing, that this is an open portal. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, I'm reading from the New American Standard. And to give you a backup, Isaiah is the number one prophet. Most of the gospel message that Paul received came from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah is one of those morning star lights that um, Peter says that we need to study in these last days. Glory to God. Isaiah is 66 chapters. It's actually a mini Bible, 66 books in the Bible. There's 66 chapters in Isaiah. And Isaiah begins with judgment. Isaiah begins with the word of the Lord to the false shepherds and to the pollution that was in the religious system of Jerusalem. No different than today. And in that place, the different kings that were risen up during Isaiah's ministry, were most of them were compromisers. There was a few that rose up like Hezekiah and others that wanted to have revival. Glory to God. And we see a pattern in the book of Isaiah that when a king, say Asa, or whoever, decided to compromise. He actually closed the doors of worship. He limited the worship. Sounds like today some seeker-sensitive churches, huh? (laughs) When he limited the worship, it says the terrorist armies came and surrounded Jerusalem. And I saw this prophetically because God's word is still alive, amen? It's still breathing, glory to God. (laughs) People ask, how long should I read the Bible every day? I say, until it reads you. (laughs) Amen? But notice there was a seeker-sensitive marketing plan that hit in American churches where you have 15 minutes, a dry cleaning service, you know, a little microwave blessing, then you get you out the doors so people can go and spend with their families or go golfing or whatever, right? And since that has taken hold in many spirit-filled churches, there's been a parallel rise of the floodgates of terrorism. And so when we limit God's people, when we limit Sunday morning, when we limit the time of worship, we are actually opening up the doors of terror. The last enemy is the fear of death, Hebrews 2, to come upon our society. And that's what happened in Isaiah's day. And so Hezekiah rose up, hallelujah, he opened the doors of worship, glory to God. The enemies were silenced, the Assyrian army was silenced. 185,000 terrorists were killed in one night by the angel of the Lord. He just walked through the camp and took care of them, neutralized them on the spot. Hallelujah. We need that right now in Afghanistan, don't we? Hallelujah. Anyway, moving right along. And Isaiah 40 verse 1 kicks in an oratory after this event. And it says, 
Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So the two ways we can comfort Jerusalem in this hour, because it all began in Jerusalem, it's going to end in Jerusalem, is number one, to call out to her that her warfare is ended. Now, I live in Israel. My wife and I live just a few kilometers away from the main Tukharm, which is one of the main Palestinian terror bases. Most of the suicide bombers that came into Israel came through that area. It's the skinniest part of Israel from the Mediterranean to the West Bank, and that's where we live. Hallelujah. To stand in the gap against this terrors of the night that come forth. And we have a lot of wild testimonies to share. We just don't have time this morning. Glory to God. But what God has shown us, the best way to comfort his people, whether it be the Jewish people or those here in New Orleans, is to proclaim that your warfare is ended. That that demon is under your feet. Hallelujah. Through the blood of Jesus. Come on, folks. We need to, have, we need to rise up in this hour and recognize the authority that God has given us. Amen? And have no participation with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Quit getting your mind programmed by the prince of the power of the air by watching all this airwaves, all this satellite and cable TV. Come on, folks. They've got to wake up in this hour. We've got to shake the dust off. We've got to rise up. God has a work for you. The second way we can comfort God's people, especially the Jewish people in this context, is to proclaim that her sins have been forgiven. There's a big movement in the church today of blessing Israel, and a lot of spirit-filled ministries are behind it. But those, most of those ministries that come to Israel, let me tell you the real facts, they don't comfort God's people. They may provide ambulatory ideas or um, you know, first aid kits or help build a place, whatever, but they do not tell the people about Jesus. If you're supporting a ministry that is in Israel or says they're in Israel and doing all these things and have pictures with Knesset members and the prime minister and all this other hogwash, you need to find out if they're really preaching the gospel. I'm there, folks. And us Jewish believers are being persecuted by the rabbinical system. The same spirit that put Jesus on the cross is attacking us. Praise God. What an honor. Hallelujah. And these believers are supporting the very rabbis that are attacking us. Uh-huh. Because what I see, they're ashamed of Jesus in the promised land. Amen. I can, I can name a whole bunch of names, but I want to know about Jesus instead. Folks, we need to comfort Israel in this hour. And comforting Israel is not through some UN, which in Israel we say the United Nothing, okay, relief program. We need to come to them and say, listen, we have the answer for terrorism. We know how to cast devils out of these Palestinian young men and women that get infiltrated with hatred and want to go blow themselves up. Hallelujah. Second, we have victory. We can proclaim to you. You can't sleep at night. You're drinking five cups of coffee a day. You have a rough life in the land. It's because you're suffering because of your sins. Jesus can set you free right now. That is the great comfort we need in this hour. Amen? The second thing, it says, a voice is calling, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Hallelujah. So you knew God's doing something new when he sends in a company in the spirit of Elijah, okay? A John the Baptist message saying, repent. 
Notice when they all came out to the river meeting, the first river meeting in the Bible, the Jordan River, okay? The multitudes came out. And what did John the Baptist say? We welcome you to our Sunday service. We have a free cup of coffee in the back for all the visitors. No. He said, you brood of vipers. He didn't say, you vipers. He says, you den. You place where the vipers have an orgy and reproduce. What did you come out here for? We need to change how we attack. Hallelujah in this hour. And quit stroking people right. Tell them of the darkness they're in. Let them be set free. Those that listen, great. Those that don't, let them move on. It's all about discipleship, not how big our churches are. Woo! And it says, then, verse 5, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Let's go to Isaiah 43. I like this place. Hallelujah. <laughs> it was, I'm telling you, those last two songs was worth the whole trip coming from Israel. It was worth, folks, you have no idea what's going on in Israel. I'm trying to share a little bit. A lot of stuff I can't share because we're in stealth there and we're working with special units in the army. So we can't share a lot, okay? However, <laughs> hallelujah, I can give you a little connect the dots, okay? And you'll see a smiley face of Jesus after you connect the dots. I can give you a little information what's going on. But those last two songs, you have no idea, folks, what's happening in Israel. It is incredible what's happening underground. Hallelujah. Whoa! I was raised in a Jewish family uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My father was a test pilot in the Air Force, was uh, stationed at a strategic Air Force base in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Tinker Air Force Base, Oklahoma City. So that's where I came from. And uh, my father was a, a later attorney, and his main job in life was not uh, after work at the court, was not uh, golf or fishing. His idea was how to bring down Oral Roberts University and Kenneth Hagin Ministries as an attorney. And so I was raised in a very anti-Christ family. But I, when I was 18 years of age, God appeared to me in a field. Hallelujah. And I was born again. I saw the Shekinah glory. I was instantly set free. My mother was, was instantly healed when I came home. And then I was also kicked out of my family at the same time. And so I had to learn to follow the Holy Ghost in his windward ways. Amen. Because David said, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord takes me up. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Hallelujah. And in that process, I was crying out to God, listen, what am I supposed to do with my life? And he gave me this scripture, verse 10, you are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. And so a witness is somebody who has a firsthand event, a knowledge of something, okay, has a factual information about something happening. And so I have found myself to be a witness or to be a Holy Ghost weatherman, hallelujah. And uh, we were stationed in New York City before 911. And all these things happen, and the Lord would give us dreams and visions, and we would blow this twisty horn, this shofar here, which I will before we leave, to wake people up that something was happening. Hallelujah. And as we've been traveling in revival, glory to God, um, we began to see a unique phenomena, a unique uh, special anointing of taking on terrorism. We would go to places in Europe and blow the shofar, go to City Hall, go to the EU buildings, prophesy, and they would catch Al-Qaeda cells the next day. All types of wild stuff. You can go to our website at flashfloods.com and get really <laughs> riveted, okay? But that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to know about something new has happened in Israel, now, when I was a graduate student at Old Roberts University, 
And before I was married, I began to, I got fascinated with a book called Rivers or Streams in the Desert by an Israeli archaeologist who was working for the military looking for wadi systems, dry riverbeds. They could move their uh, mechanized infantry against Egypt for wartime um, maneuvers if Israel was attacked. And this guy also was an archaeologist, and he found an ancient civilization called the Nabataeans. They were Christians that were after the Roman Empire that lived in the deserts of Israel, okay? And they had a huge population there. There's only a couple of millimeters of rain a year in the desert. How could they live there? Because they were water engineers. They found out where the dry riverbeds were, and when the flash floods came, it was like you know, it rains on limestone and just these huge riverbeds appear out of nowhere. And they were able to channel the waters into underground cisterns and huge underground lakes and live for centuries like that. Hallelujah. And all the trade routes from Egypt to Persia changed and went through Israel, through Arabia, through the desert, because there was rest stops and water there, and they became very wealthy. Hallelujah. So we who know the river of God need to learn how to grab a hold of it, channel it, okay? Glory to God, so we can give it for generations. Come on, folks. (laughs) Anyway, and so I began to read this book, and I understood that, wow, this is incredible. And And the scripture he talked about was here in Isaiah 43, which we sang two songs ago. Are you ready? Verse 18, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I do something new. Will you not be aware of it? I'll make a roadway in the wilderness. So we see the first thing that when God's doing something new, there's a roadway in the wilderness. There's this voice, this Elijah-type company. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Crying out, repent. Return back to God. Get your life right. Come on. Hallelujah. And also taking on the religious system and saying, you brood of vipers. When there is these people rising up, hallelujah, we know God's doing something new. And the new thing he does is not in a metropolitan area. It's in a desert. It's in a wilderness. Why a wilderness? So God can get the wild out of us, okay? And your holy place is the desert. The same Hebrew word for this desert, wilderness, midbar, is the same Hebrew word, dabir, the same root for the holy of holies. Your holy place is your wilderness. So quit trying to get out of the wilderness, You can spend 40 years or 40 seconds. It's up to you, okay? Because God's going to break you. Hallelujah. He's going to break us down. We're the scum of the earth. We're nothing. He's our sufficiency. It's in the desert, the absolute wasteland. Nothing can survive. That he does something new in you. That's what he's doing right now. We're sensing it. We sensed it on the worship. We sensed it in the whole, the testimony. God is doing something new, and I'm just a Holy Ghost weatherman from Israel, hallelujah, to tell you it is happening right now. This is not wishful thinking, folks, okay? This is not some Yahoo having meetings in Florida, okay, and prophesying to go out to the bar and getting drunk the same night. I'm talking about the highway of holiness. I'm not talking about some spooky religion where all these weird angels show up. One of them named Ema. Give me a break. Ema in Hebrew means mother. Last time I read the Bible, all the angels, archangels' names are Hebrew names. You know, Raphael, Gabriel, Ema. Well, there's a, Ema means mother. When some guy says, oh, this Ema angel came to me. Boom, take him off. That boy is off. 
So we see the rise of a strange fire in this hour. Come on, a rise of the false teachers. and Come on, you see it happening right now. We see everything that can't be shaken being shaken. What are we going to do? Sit around and just wait for the helicopters to take us out of here? No. We're going to rise up. It's time for war. We've heard a lot of people crying, wolf, and there was no wolf, okay? And people kind of got agitated, okay? And folks, I am telling you, based on the scripture, that something new is happening. Now is the time to ramp up. It says here, behold, I do something new. Now it shall spring forth. Won't you be aware of it? I mean, we should know that there's a voice crying in the wilderness. There is a message in this hour preparing the way of the Lord. Second, rivers in the desert. Now, this word rivers and desert is Neherot Bayishimon, okay? It is a huge flash flood in the south of Israel. There are seven deserts in Israel, but this Israel, this Israeli desert called the Yishimon is the wasteland. There ain't nothing there. It's right south of the Dead Sea. Folks, there's nothing there. Nothing grows there. It's just like, it's like chalk, white dust with nothing there. Looks like the Badlands in Dakotas. And it may rain there once every hundred years. But when it floods there, hallelujah, the prophet Isaiah, by the Spirit of God, is giving the eternal, the, excuse me, the, uh, the whole worldwide body of believers a sign that he's doing something new. This is the only place in the Bible we're given a sign that we can connect into. Hallelujah. Everything else is walking by faith, not by sight. The sign is rivers in the desert, streams, when streams break out in this desert area of Israel. Hallelujah. God's doing something new in the earth. Now it says here, Isaiah 44 continues in verse 3, For I'll pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, so I'll pour my spirit on your offspring, my blessings on your sinners. Notice the idea of rains in the desert equals blessings and Holy Ghost movement on our families. Hebrew scholar said to me once, he said, Shlomo, look at this rest of this. He says, it can be translated in Hebrew, even as I pour water on a thirsty land, so will be the same corresponding measure I pour out my spirit. A little bit of rainfall in the Yishimon Desert of Israel, which is the navigation piece, okay? It's the clock for the church. You can look, keep your eyes on this desert. When it rains a little, you know there's just going to be a maintenance anointing worldwide that year. But when there is a flash flood in that desert is the same corresponding measure God is releasing a new latter rain worldwide. You say, has this happened in our generation? Yes. This happened during the pre-Azusa Street. Pre-Welsh Revival, this desert flooded. <laughs> Glory to God. And in 1989 winter, before the river, okay, the renewal, whatever you want to talk, talk about, when Rodney Rod Brown was upstate New York ready to quit the ministry, Okay, Lord, unless you give me, you know, reality, take me home. Little did he know that flash floods broke out that winter. It was the greatest amount of rainfall ever to fall in Israel's modern history. Hallelujah. And what came on the heels of that was a great move of God. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Amen. And so we kind of been in a maintenance anointing since then. Something new. I was just came from the desert. Last week, I was in the desert with my special paratrooper unit, hallelujah. It's a reconnaissance unit. I won't say much more what they do, hallelujah, but the devil's really scared of them, hallelujah. And it's made up of a bunch of guys that from the tribe, from the area of Naphtali, 
Okay, Naphtali, it says that when Deborah and Barak wanted to go to war in Judges 5, that all the other tribes were, no, I don't want to go, I have things to do. But Zebulun and Naphtali risked their lives for war. Hallelujah. And it's the same kibbutz moshav era. These guys have a special unit. They just give themselves to protect Israel. Hallelujah. They're the elite of the elite. They're the black ops. I call them glory ops. Hallelujah. We're in their community. We're working with them, folks. We're combining the Holy Ghost shofar with their natural element on the ground. Hallelujah. I can't say much more. Good. Oh. I can't say this. Kurabakarungusheke. <laughs> You guys can understand. Listen, come on. Come to Israel. We'll show you the next level. Hallelujah. We need Holy Ghost windward believers in Israel. There's enough religion there. Woo! We'll take you to the Gaza border. We'll take you to the Syrian border. We'll take you to the Lebanese border. Hallelujah. We've not had one tourist killed yet. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. You see, we have to volunteer freely the day of his power. I'm so excited. My oldest son, he didn't uh, make Aliyah citizenship with us. He stayed home and went to Old Roberts University. And after about uh, three months, he called me and says, Abba, you're right. I got to get out of this place. And uh, so he's moving to Israel. He's joining an elite unit. Hallelujah. And uh, three weeks. Glory to God. We're excited about it. Folks, we have to volunteer freely. You see, David was a man of war, not just a psalmist. People talk about, oh, the tabernacle of David being restored. Well, what's the tabernacle of David? Two pillars, prayer and worship and war. David was a man of war. Blessed be the Lord God who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Jesus appeared as a shepherd, rejected, okay, a man despised. He's coming back as the almighty reigning king of kings, lord of lords, the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. So we see... In this desert I just came back from two weeks ago, there is massive rivers breaking out. I'm sorry I don't have a disc. I have it on my, on my laptop. But we have all these pictures of rivers breaking out. Even the unit that was with said, man, we've never seen so much water in the desert. So I'm more excited, hallelujah, than a kid with a platinum credit card on Toys R Us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! I'm more excited than a porpoise just escaped from SeaWorld. Hallelujah. (laughs) Something new is happening. It's been dry in the church the last few years, so to speak. But I've seen rivers, and I come to declare to you something new is about to break forth. There is rivers in the desert in Israel right now. Get ramped up. Look at Isaiah 59. Arise, excuse me, Isaiah 59. We'll go to Isaiah 60 in just a second. Isaiah 59. We see in verse 16 that the Lord was displeased because there was no justice. You know, counterterrorism falls under the justice ministry, law enforcement. Come on, folks. 
It's time for the church to rise up, amen, and to prophesy where the kidnappers are and the serial killers. And so we see the Lord himself puts on the breastplate of righteousness. This ain't Roman prayer armor in Ephesians 6. This is the armor of God. This ain't some Roman helmet of salvation and breastplate of righteousness. Come on. This is God's armor. He puts on the helmet of salvation, verse 17. He wraps himself with garments, hallelujah, vengeance. Why? To attack his enemies. And it says, now, if you're a King James fan, don't get upset here. King James, wonderful translation. New King James also, but it's taken from the Masoretic text, which was a slight misspelling in one word here, okay? And so the New American Standard, New Jerusalem Version, shows the, uh, the, the original correction from the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? It says in verse 19, so they'll fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Watch the next move. This next move, this river that's breaking out, is a move with the fear and terror of God. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> For he will come like a rushing. Say, wait a minute, Lord. Wait, wait, wait. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, <clears throat> I know there's been wonderful sermons based on that text, but it's wrong, okay? The word enemy is a misspelling. There is no word enemy here in the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's why the newer translations show that. It was just a minor scribal error. Maybe the guy hiccuped or something and, you know, made it this way instead of that way on the Degesh, okay? No big deal, okay? But people have taken this text. Put it back up there. Thank you. When the enemy shall come in. Where is the word enemy here? It's talking about God himself wrapping himself in his armor to come to do vengeance on his enemies. Hallelujah. The word enemy is not there. Let me read what it says. When he, the Lord, comes like a rushing stream which the Ruach, the breath of the Lord, drives. Hallelujah. The Lord himself is going to come like a flash flood in the desert. It happens, listen, this year you could be camping out in the dry waters, dry riverbeds, Israeli desert. It could be raining 60 kilometers away. It could be a clear sky and suddenly you hear a wall of water coming towards you. It's suddenly. The Lord is going to come suddenly. And now the next verse is very important for us. Verse 20, and a redeemer will come to Zion, okay? This is the text that Paul uses in Romans 11, okay, talking of all Israel being saved. When we see the Lord dressing himself for battle, let the Lord arise, let his enemies be splattered. Hallelujah. Psalm 68. Amen. When we see Deborah's, come on, not a bunch of spineless Baracks in this hour. Hallelujah. Men and women rising up like champions of faith in this hour. Glory to God. To take it to the enemy's camp. Amen. Not to have a bunker mentality, but to take it to the enemy's camp. It is in this place we need to lift up and get ready. Come on, because there's a flash flood coming. God is coming quickly and suddenly. And it's in this event that all Israel is going to be saved. Hallelujah. God spoke to us that the greatest revival, awakening in the Middle East, is about to happen. Start building an ark like Noah. Hallelujah. So I said, I had no money, Lord. He says, I just want you to be available. Hallelujah. So 20 months ago, hallelujah, we had hardly any money to buy anything over there. And suddenly, a, a million, over a million-dollar check appeared anonymous in our P.O. box. We have no idea who these people are. They don't want to be known. You know what's God when they don't want a tax receipt. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. 
Glory to God. And it's a sign and wonder. The Jew requires a sign. And everywhere we go, the people we bring over, the special forces, the friends, the unsaved Israelis, Palestinians that come to this place, they're like, wow, where'd you get this place? We said, God. No, come on, how? No, I'm serious. I went to my P.O. box. There was a million dollar checks there. Are you with me, folks? What I'm saying to you, you just got to get drafting behind God. He'll supply your needs. Usually the thing you don't want to do is what God's telling you to do. I didn't want to go to Israel. I like America. But I knew he was hemming me in. Hallelujah. And I didn't want to be a Jonah. Amen. God, to keep sending storms and wake me up. I didn't want to spend three days in the belly of gastric oil fishes, of a fish's belly. Okay, Lord, I'll go. My family said I'm crazy, okay? Our kids were complaining a little bit. Dali was like, well, I guess let's go, you know. Here we go. And suddenly, at the last moment, supernatural provision came in. Hallelujah. There's more, folks. Come on. And so we see here that when Israel, when this flash flood, this sign comes in, all Israel is going to be saved. And it's in this event that we have a recourse, Isaiah 60. We must do it. I know it's 10, 15. We've got to hurry here, right? One of those folks in airline just come on over here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why don't we... Maybe they just ought to pray for a couple of hours, then we'll show up later. I mean. Arise, shine. When this event, come on, when you see the Lord rising up as a mighty champion. I love it. That's, you know something suddenly is going to happen. What are we supposed to do? Arise, shine. I mentioned last night, have you heard that song? Arise, shine, your light has come. Forget it. Delete it. Take it out of the song list. It's not scriptural, that melody. It's not arise, shine. You know what it is? Kumi, Maori. Paul quotes it in Ephesians 5. Get up, you slumberer. Kumi means to get up. When my wife, when she was raised in Israel, she'd oversleep for school. Her mother wouldn't walk in and say, oh, arise, sweetheart. Would you like your eggs over easy? You're late for school. No, she said, Kumi, get up. This is the same word used in Hebrew when Jesus spoke to the dead girl. He said, Telekumi, get up. Get up and shine. Why well, wait for God to get me up? No, he sent you some Jew, crazy Jew from Israel with a twisted horn to get you up today. Hallelujah. This is the time why I got up and nothing happened. That was just a test pattern. Hallelujah. This is the real McCoy. Arise, shine. It's a command. It's an imperative. It's not an invitation. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Then it talks about all these kings coming not to so much to glory but to the brightness of your rising. 
the wealth of the sinner, this wealth transfer, the unsaved, our loved ones, the kings of the earth coming to this brightness of this rising is based on you getting up in the morning the pre-dawn before the sun rises. To get up and thirst for him, to cleave to him. Hallelujah. Woo! It's that when we rise up, watch what's going to happen. I'm just like you. Come on, hallelujah. But when I rose up and said, yes, Lord, I'll go to Israel. And pastors were saying, you're crazy, boy. I say, well, who, friends like you, who needs enemies? Get behind me. And we go and plant ourselves right at the gate of the valley of the shadow of death. Hallelujah. I sleep pretty good there. I like it there. Hallelujah. As we can, I don't want to say conclude, but as we, whatever. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's see what Paul says from this same verse. Uh Uh-huh. My job is to make your morale peak out today. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Scott, you don't know what I'm going through. Who cares? Hallelujah. You know Jesus? Let's rise up. Come on. He's saying get up. Well, how do we get up? How do we arise and shine? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 here. Verse, uh, there's so much here. Let's start at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You were formerly darkness. How many people here were formerly darkness? But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as the children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, endeavoring or trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, not what pleases me. What pleases the Lord? And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead do what? Reprove or expose them. Just turn on the light at work. Hallelujah. (laughs) Just turn on the light in your family. Come on. Hallelujah. Just turn on the light in this neighborhood. Come with us to the Middle East and just turn the light on among the Muslims. Hallelujah. Woo. Well, you may get killed. Oh, who cares? Hallelujah. If I get murdered, my wife will raise me from the dead. Hallelujah. And if it's not my time, I go home. What's the big deal? I get two crowns, the crown of life and also the martyr's crown. Hallelujah. Is your home here or heaven? Listen, I was on the airplane with this... Um, this guy sat next to me. He was a multi-millionaire Israeli businessman, and he began to ask me, what are you doing in Israel? And he, well, you moved here from America, and you're five kids. What, are you crazy? And he started talking about how the Palestinians, you know, the, the number one weapon that Yasser Arafat said to destroy Israel and the West, by the way, that's you, that's us, is the womb of the Palestinian mother. Now, Islam cannot defeat the West, Christianity and Judaism, through military means, okay? So they will overpopulation. That's why you have Palestinian mothers that have eight to f- uh, five to eight kids, average each, because they're trying to create as many Muslims as possible. Listen, the Muslims, the terrorists, they don't care about life there. You saw the Hamas hide behind hospitals in and, and this last war and behind children. Come on. Yeah. 
It's the most demonized manifestation of Satan on earth. Is Islamic Jihad. And folks, there ain't no peace process. All our government's doing is an appeasement process. They're just trying to appease the Muslims. And now we got this secret Muslim as a president, too. Come on, I'm going to be honest. I, I have friends from Nigeria and Kenya, and they, you know, especially in northern Nigeria, there's a battle. The Christians are being martyred by the Muslims. And when a Muslim gets born again, they, usually, they, always, they always change their name from Muhammad to Mike or whatever. How come he never changed his name? Why come he never changed his name? Because he's still a secret Muslim, that's why. You better, listen, we better pay for our president because let me tell you, things are spooky right now. Thank you for the enthusiasm right now. Be like, well, you're against his skin. I'm not against his skin. I'm against his sin. To tell you the truth, I didn't want to vote for any of them. I only wanted to vote for Sarah Pauline. She was the only bold one there. Hallelujah. Said it like it was. All politics is is the art of compromise. Christians should not be involved in politics. Moving right along. Hallelujah. You still love me? I love you. I can see it. The battle for America is in Israel right now. The battle for the West is right now. Europe has already lost the battle. Whole cities in Western Europe are about to have a Muslim majority. Europe has already lost. We are at the verge, folks. Israel is the front lines for the battle in the West right now. It is the Stalingrad. It is the Leningrad. Right now, it's going to determine the war. So what can you do? Hallelujah. You can come and help us. You can give. You can pray. Hallelujah. Whoa. Pardon my enthusiasm. My morale has peaked out. Hold on, airline crowd. We'll get there. So it says here, expose them. That's what we love doing. We love going into the West Bank and areas and spontaneously getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then we feel the Lord rising up. Okay? We feel at times the Lord just being the shepherd. He wants to comfort people and heal them and all that. Then we feel him rising up as a warrior. Hallelujah. The desert shepherd warrior. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. And we go into places. We blow this shofar and prophesy. Hallelujah. And work in sync with the counterterrorism units. And that night or a few days later, they catch the sleeper cells. They catch the bomb makers. Oh, glory to God. You say, why don't you share this? Why isn't this on Christian TV? Crazy. Loose lips sink ships. If you knew where we went last week, oh, hallelujah. Tom Clancy, eat your heart out. Hallelujah. It's working. And what we got to do is get the river drinkers. Hallelujah. The people that love the presence of God. Hallelujah. That are presence motivated, not program motivated. Amen. That, oh, hallelujah. That want to serve, that want to give. Glory to God. And get those with a willing heart and get them under this anointing. Hallelujah. The Lord of the armies of heaven in the last days. Glory to God. And you go up and do Rambo and Rambo at missions. How can we do it? Because how can we come against this darkness? Verse 11, we expose the darkness by living holy. 
It says when these rivers break out, Isaiah 35, that it's in this place the blind see, okay? The lame will walk and the deaf hear. And I'll make a roadway in the wilderness. I'll make a highway of holiness. Isaiah 35, you can read it later. And then I hear on Christian news that comes to Israel, oh, people prophesying Interstate 35 that runs through Texas, all through the country. That's Isaiah 35. Give me a break. What? That's an interstate. There ain't no promise of Scripture. There ain't no highway of holiness. I tell you, the prophets out there are drinking some strange Kool-Aid in this hour. Come on. Verse 13, verse 12, for it is disgraceful even to speak the things done by them in secret. Come on. Be careful what you watch on TV, movies, internet. You'll disqualify yourself from military service for the kingdom if you pollute your mind. I smell brake pads burning right now. Take your feet off the brakes. Repent. Hallelujah. Get cleansed up. Jump in. The water's fine. Verse 13, but all things become visible and they're exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible is light. This reason it says, awake sleeper, rise from the dead and Messiah will shine on you. Where is that from? We read that earlier. Isaiah 60, right? So how do we arise in this hour? By putting off the works of darkness and second, verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Circumspectly. This was a Greek word used of the marketplace in the ancient Greek world where strawberries would come to season. They didn't have refrigeration back then. So you had to seize the moment when the strawberries or the onions appeared in the market. That was a moment you had to buy them because they ain't going to be all year round. Paul is saying here, redeem the moment. Redeem the time because the days are evil. How do we do that? Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Brother Scott, can you pray for me? Can you blow that horn over me on God's will? I'll tell you right now what God's will is. You ready? Do not get drunk with wine. I don't understand these pastors that like to drink wine. Well, Jesus drank wine. Give me a break, you loony tune. The Levites were commanded not to drink wine before they entered the presence of God. Number two, it says it's not good for kings to drink wine. Proverbs 31. And number three, it, in America, especially in Canada, the liquor stores are called wine and spirits. And when I was in France, I went and learned that the, how they invented modern-day wine, not the wine they drank in the Bible. Modern-day wine was made by a bunch of French monks, okay? Well, if I was a French monk under the... <laughs> Under the control of Catholicism, I would probably drink wine too and make it even stronger and potent. It was created by a bunch of bored monks. And why would why drink something that will cause a younger believer to stumble? And fourth or fifth on the list here, why play around with a highly intoxicating substance that has destroyed many families? What is the difference between one and two? Where is that where you're drinking, come on, and you feel a little pleasure, feel a little sensory excitement, okay? Where does that demon enter in and send you down the road of alcoholism? Why mess with it? So what do you have besides wine? Hallelujah. Well, right here it says, do not be drunk with wine, that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. I love what the, um, the linguistic key Greek New Testament says. It's a present passive imperative. I mean, it's present tense now. It's passive, I mean, you have to allow yourself. He doesn't make you do it. You have to allow yourself, and then you have to do it continually, habitually. <laughs> continually, habitually allow yourself to be filled, filled, refilled with the Spirit as you're exposing the works of darkness. And how do you know you're filled? Well, number one, it says you start to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You began to sing. Hallelujah. There begins a spontaneous song of the Lord. Then you began to submit to one another. Hallelujah. Then the rest of that, you began to husbands love your wives. Come on. Hallelujah. That's all you need to do with your husband. Get him drunk. Hallelujah. And then your wives able to submit to the husbands because your husband's drunk. Hallelujah. Then it says in chapter 6, you know, children will be able to honor their father and mother, obey and wife, because they're drunk too. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, I love you. God bless you. Good talking to you. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770 
777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.